following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. So, if you're wondering what led me to the book of Ruth, uh, as we began looking at the Christmas story and as I began talking about all of the things that the Lord orchestrated, not only during that time, but leading up through the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see two Gentile women mentioned in that whole line. First one is Rahab, and the second one is Ruth. And so the book of Ruth, uh, one of only two books in the Bible named after a female, um, if you like good love stories, this is for you. <laughs> If you like good stories where Cinderella finds her Prince Charming, this one's for you. I think the, the thing that kind of led me toward this was back in October when we went uh, down to Naples, Florida on our disaster relief trip. Uh, there was a lady that we were dealing with. We were helping her in her home, and her name was Ruth. And as we began sharing the gospel with her, talking to her about salvation issues and salvation needs, and I simply asked her, I said, you know, I, you do know you're named after someone in the Bible, right? Do you, are you familiar with the story of Ruth? She said, well, I've heard about it, but I never really dove into the story. And as I began explaining everything that the Lord orchestrated in Ruth's life, I, I could see the wheels starting to turn. I could see the light bulbs starting to come on. And whenever you can relate stories like this in the Bible... The kinsman redeemer is the main theme of the book of Ruth. When you can explain stories like that and apply them to someone else's life, it just makes the Bible so much more real to them. And so I want to explore the book of Ruth here the next few weeks. Uh, we'll do a, a brief introduction and I'll give you some more details about the book as we go. The name Ruth uh, is basically a, a contraction of the Hebrew word rueth, meaning the act of seeing or sight or basically just a sight. Something worth seeing. We will see uh, later on when Boaz and Ruth meet up that her beauty is what captured his attention as she was in the fields gleaning the wheat. So the name could also mean friendship or a female friend, which is what we'll see tonight between Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. So there's five things that we can learn from the book of Ruth in Scripture. We learn that she is a young widow. We learn that she is a faithful daughter-in-law. We learn that she is a determined convert, being a Gentile from Moab. She comes to faith and begins following the God of her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she said, the God that you're committed to is the God that I will be committed to as well. She's also a humble gleaner. Uh, she comes from rags to riches, uh, stricken in poverty, forced out of her homeland uh, by famine. Uh, she has to go in the fields, basically getting what she can for free. But we also learn that she is an honored mother as well because the book of Ruth closes out chapter 4 with a brief genealogy. So that genealogy actually gives us a little bit of a basis on the timeline. 
uh, the time that the book actually happened and the time that the book was actually written are two different times. The book was written much later than the actual events occurred. We see through the genealogy that uh, the book was actually written after the time of David because David is included in the genealogy that is listed at the end. So there's no author named in the book itself. Jewish tradition credits uh, the prophet Samuel as the author, the actual writer of the book. The timeline in which the story took place basically is towards the end of the 12th century B.C., uh, they get this time with the opening statements that it took place during the time of the judges. And so when it occurred, uh, according to the opening verse, is during the time of the judges. But we see that Ruth being a Moabite and the relationship between the Moabites and the Israelites, we see happening in Judges chapter 3. So the Moabites oppressed the Israelites during that time in the judge by the name of Ahud was the one who drove out the Moabites from the land. So who are the Moabites? We find that Ruth is an actual Moabite. She is from the land of Moab. The land of Moab is a Transjordan area. It's on the opposite side of the Jordan River from uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem where the story is taking place at. And so who are the Moabites? Well, if you're reading through your Bible in a year, if you're going through this Bible that we're using uh, right now and you've been reading and keeping up this week, you find out that the Moabs are the descendants of Lot. Lot's first daughter had a son by the name of Moab. We find that in Genesis chapter 19. So there are two prominent themes one I've already mentioned in the book of Ruth. One is the kinsman redeemer has a lot to do with the law and passing on a lineage and making sure that a family heritage continues on after the father has passed away or a husband has passed away. There's also another one, uh, a Hebrew word by the name of Hesed, H-E-S-E-D, which has to do with God's covenant loyalty. This goes all the way back to the covenant made with Abraham that you will have descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sands by the seashore in multitude, but also that a Savior would come from your line eventually. So there are four chapters in the book of Ruth, probably not the way that it was originally written, but the way the canon contains it. Uh, it contains four different chapters, which can, which can be broken up into four different scenes of the events. Uh, number one, we arrive at disappointment. Uh, not only does Naomi lose her husband, but her two daughter-in-laws, Naomi's sons, die as well. So we see disappointment and loss in chapter 1 or scene 1. Chapter 2, we see the service of Ruth helping her mother-in-law uh, get established and, and finding food. Chapter 3 or scene 3, we see that there is a little bit of hope where Boaz is captured by the beauty of Ruth. And wants to become her kinsman redeemer. In chapter 4, the final chapter, the final scene, the closing scene, we see just the redemption of not only Ruth, but Naomi. And a reward of her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. And so the title for tonight's sermon is Godly Choices During Difficult Times. Uh, as I said, we'll do some more uh, background on the book as we go. We'll uncover more of that. 
Before we get into the, the message, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our reading. Father God, we love you so much. And we just thank you for all that you're doing, Lord God. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you for this incredible story. We thank you that you've included that for us to read, Lord God, and to see how you orchestrated everything to continue the genealogy and the line leading up to your son Jesus being born into this world. We thank you, Lord God, that even during our hard times, during our losses, that you can show that you are still in control, that we can trust in you, we can lean upon you, and we can gain strength from you. Help us, Lord God, that when we experience a loss, whatever the case may be, that our minds would be fixed on you, that our decisions would be based on what pleases you, and that you would guide us through these times, Lord God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Godly decisions during time of losses. We see a lot of tragedy unfolding right here at the beginning of the story of Ruth. So one thing I thought about is that that relates very much so to the gospel. First of all, you've got to know the bad news before you're exposed to the good news. So there's a lot of bad news that takes place right here in the opening chapter of the book of Ruth. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass... In the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. Bad news. Nobody wants to experience that. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab, which by Jewish law was forbidden. More bad news. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Let's just stop for a moment and think about this. If you were to be Naomi, how would you feel about the Lord right about now? Here's the Lord, your protector, your protector, your provider, your everything. Why is he allowing all of these bad things to happen? Why is he allowing you to go through this famine, to force you go, to go into a land where you should not be, to allow your sons to marry women that they should not marry, and allow your husband, your helpmate, your helpmeet, the person that you've been with for no telling how long they had been married, to die and leave her in this situation? How would you handle those losses? So in verse 6, it goes on to say that then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. 
And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So question number one that I want to ask you tonight is how do you handle losses? How do you handle losses? The losses that Naomi was dealing with here was her husband and her two sons. A lot of tragedy within these 10 years that we see. But what are the losses that we deal with on a daily basis? Could be the loss of a job. Could be the loss of finances. Could be the loss of your physical ability. Maybe your your body isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Your health is going downhill and you're losing some of your physical abilities. How, how do you handle those? When, when tragedy abounds, here's what I want you to remember. And here's what I want you to get out of the first part of this story as we go into it. When tragedy abounds, God's grace much more abounds. If it weren't for the problems in our life, how would we know that God could solve them? If it weren't for those hard times in our lives, how would we know that God was not able to get us through those times? And so the losses experienced by these three women, they represent three different reactions. Number one, isolation. Naomi wanted to be alone. She couldn't take it anymore. She said, I don't want you to have to go through this misery that I'm going through. She tried her best to make her two daughters-in-law go back to their hometown. Obviously, Ruth and Orpah's parents were still alive because she said, I want you to go back to where your family is. There's nothing left here for you to gain by staying with me. Leave me alone I don't want to take the chance of losing you as well. I want you to go back to your household. Go back to your family and let them take care of you because there's nothing more that I could do for you. She wanted to be isolated. She wanted to be alone. And let me tell you, during your time of loss, that's the worst possible place for you to be. And for me, that's one of the greatest benefits of being plugged in to a local church body is to make sure that those people are there to love on you, to call on you, to check on you, and to care on you. Don't isolate yourself from the people that love you and that want to be a part of your life during your time of loss and grieving. There was another reaction that came about from these three losses that Naomi experienced. Rejection. How would the people in my hometown welcome me back in when I'm a widow that can't even take care of myself? Will they reject me? Will they mock me? Will they make fun of me? A lot of times during our losses, could be a physical loss, could be a financial loss. Are we afraid that people are going to reject us from their lives. But there's also one different reaction that comes about from all of this. We don't see it from one of the daughters-in-law, but we do see it from Ruth. We see that there is actually a deeper commitment that comes 
from these three losses. She says, I don't want you going through this by yourself. Ruth makes a commitment not only to be with her mother-in-law through this difficult time, but she said, I want to be with you. I want to help you. I want to go where you go. Your home, I want to be my home. But also she says this. She said, I want your God to be my God. So there's actually a deeper commitment that results from these three losses. So that's what you're going to find during your time of loss. Whether it be emotional stress that you're going through, you're going to find that one person that comes to you and says, I'm going to be by your side through this no matter what. Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, they represent uh, in this context a a recovery group or, or a grieving group. They are actually grieving together. But Naomi says, I don't want you to spend the rest of your life. You have so much more life to live. There's so much more that you can gain by going home and instead of staying with me. But they're all three going through this together. And then Naomi comes up with this decision. I've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that my daughter-in-laws get back to a place where they can continue on with their life. So as we move on in verse 10... We see the decision that she makes and the urgency that she uh, tries to impress upon them about where they need to go. Verse 9, it says that the Lord grant you uh, that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. This is that recovery group. This is that grieving group that they're a part of together. And in verse 10, They said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a a husband tonight and should also bear sons, Would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So here's what I want you to notice about what's taking place here. These two daughters-in-law have been with Naomi long enough to where she has made a positive influence on their life. And now she's doing everything she can to get rid of them. And she can't get rid of them. She has influenced their life so much that they are wanting to stay with her no matter what. So that's the question, too, that I want to ask you tonight. Who are you influencing in a way that they desire to be around you through the good times and the bad? Verse 14, I think, says it all. Ruth clung to her. They lifted up their voices. They wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi had impacted her life in such a way to where physically she was holding on to her mother-in-law and saying, I am not going to depart from you no matter what. And so I think Ruth and Orpha 
represent two different groups of people. We'll get into that more here in just a little bit. But the wording that the writer adds here is that Ruth clung to her. That word clung in the Hebrew language, I haven't taken any Hebrew classes yet, but I did look, get a little bit of etymology on the word. Uh, it, it means to cling to. It, it represents loyalty. It represents affection. And sometimes it comes with the idea of physical proximity. She's got to be close to her. She's got to be there with her. It's not just an emotional attachment. It's a physical attachment as well, she says. Basically what she's saying is, I'm going to be locking arms with you, be side by side with you, walking through this together. We've got to handle this loss together, side by side, supporting one another. So Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, if you want to write that verse down, I'll read it to you. Here's what the writer of Proverbs has to say about influencing people in a way that they desire to be around you. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. There are some people in your life, you can think of them right now. They may be here tonight. They may be someone in your family. may just be a good friend. That it seems like the worse the problem gets, the closer they get to you. You know anybody like that? Are you someone like that? Or are you someone that can pick up on the impulses from a friend? You say, hey, I, I, I feel some bad vibes coming off of you. I'm not going to leave you until we settle this. I'm worried about your mental state. I'm worried about your physical condition, whatever the need may be. And I think that's what we're seeing between Ruth and Naomi here. Ruth is saying, I've seen something in you that I don't see in anyone else. I've seen your love. I've seen your support. I've seen your love for your family, your love for your husband, your love for your sons. And I don't want to leave you in this condition by yourself. I see that you are trying to push us out of your life. And that's an indication that something deep down inside is going on that needs to be addressed. So I think that's why Ruth clung to her and they couldn't be pried apart. So Ruth was more than just a daughter-in-law at this point. And Naomi was more than just a mother-in-law at this point. They were best friends. That relationship went deeper and deeper than just a marriage tying the two of them together. If you remember whenever Samuel describes Jonathan David and the, the relationship they had, it says their hearts were knit together. They were intertwined and they couldn't be separated. That's the same thing that we see in Ruth and Naomi here. So who are you influencing right now in a way that they desire to be around you through the good times and the bad times. I think the saying today is, uh, this person here, that's my ride or die partner. <laughs> they're going to be with me through the good times. They're going to be with me through the bad times as well. They're going to be with me to the bitter end. 
They're going to be by my side no matter what. And I know that when something's going on in my life, I can count on them to be there for me. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. That's how the church family should be as well. Amen? That's why we sing that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Because we're in this together. And we should learn to pick up on those vibes from another person. That when they're doing bad, when we haven't seen them in a while, when we know that they're acting in just a little bit different way, that's how close-knit we should be as a church family. And then we should be influencing each other in those type of ways. So next I want you to see in verses 16 through 17, and it's probably where we're going to shut it down for tonight. Do your circumstances sway your love for the Lord? So Ruth was a Moabite. She's not a Christian, if you want to call it that. She's not saved. She doesn't know the Lord. But Naomi was. And if anyone in this story had a right to be angry at God, it was Naomi. She could have been like Job's wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Job said this, he said, the Lord lives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I think that's the same mentality that Naomi has here as well. Her circumstances would not knock her off a track with her relationship with the Lord. And Ruth saw that in her. She said, I've seen everything that you've experienced in these past 10 or so years. I've seen you lose your husband, your precious husband, that y'all built a life with, that y'all built a household with. I've seen y'all struggle through a famine. I've seen y'all come looking for food. I've seen y'all leave your hometown. I've seen you leave your family and your friends, and you and your husband have loved each other through those episodes. And then I saw the love that you had for your two sons. And then I saw even when they married, women that they shouldn't have married, you brought us into your family and you loved on us in a way that we've never experienced. There's something about your God that I find very, very attractive. There's something about the God that you serve that I don't see in any of these foreign gods that the people of Moab worship. All these pagan gods, all these pagan deities, we, we don't have a relationship with them like you have with your God. She said, but most of all, your circumstances have not swayed your love for the Lord, not one bit. Do people say that about your work, walk with the Lord? Do people see the things that you go through and they know that you are steadfast and immovable in your relationship with the Lord no matter what your circumstances are? Listen to what Ruth says. Naomi tries one more time. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. Go back to your household. Ruth, why don't you be like your sister-in-law and just leave, just get out of here and let me wallow in my grief. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you 
or to turn back from following after you. (laughs) I love these next words. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. What a God we serve to orchestrate this event and create that love and that passion in Ruth's heart to pick up on everything that has happened to Naomi and the love for her God. But what an influence Naomi was for Ruth to reach this point and say this, even in their darkest time. If you'll read the book of Judges, the book of Judges was written during one of the darkest times of Israel. And that's basically when this story is taking place. And with everything going on, when it seems like God's hand was against the Israelites, Naomi comes in, takes care of her daughter-in-laws. And then Ruth says, I see everything that's going on with you, your family, and your nation. And I want your God to be my God. Because you have not forsaken him. You've not got angry at him. You haven't turned your back on him. And I'm anxious to see what God has in store for you next in your life. There's a question I have for you. Do your circumstances sway your love for the Lord? Or can you say like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. She goes on to say, where you die, I will die. So she's committed even all the way until she draws her dying breath. Naomi, I'm going to be with you through thick and thin, no matter what. I don't care how bad it gets. I know that your God is more than able, more than capable of providing us with what we need to make it through this. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a commitment. (laughs) Are those powerful words or what? So Naomi had influenced Ruth in such a way to where she says, I don't care what it is that we got to go through. I'm going to be by your side. And with the strength that we get from your God, we're going to make it through this. Are those the kind of decisions that you can make? Are those the kind of choices that you can make during difficult times? Are those people that you have in your life that have influenced you in such a way to where you're committed to serving God the way that they do? Or are you being that person? Are you being that Naomi to someone else to where you are influencing their life and they can see clearly that how committed you are to serving the Lord? So does Ruth's decision to stay with her mother-in-law, does it reflect her commitment to her dead husband or to Naomi? I think the words that Ruth just spoke make it clear that she was committed to Naomi and what she's seen Naomi go through. So chapter 2, verse 11 reveals that Ruth's parents were still alive after what Boaz questions her whenever they first meet. So what was Ruth's choice based off of? 
So do Ruth and Orpah and their two choices reflect two different types of people in this world? I, I think that this choice that Ruth makes is a very good example that God gives us a free will to choose to either follow him or not follow him, to become a Christian or not become a Christian. And just like Naomi's two daughter-in-laws, there are going to be two choices that people make in this world. I'm either going to turn my back on God and walk away from him and continue following the life that I want to live, or like Ruth, I want your God to be my God. I see the witness that you have presented before me. I can see the evidence in your life crystal clear how passionate you are about serving the Lord. How much God has blessed you. Even during your bad times, you still praise the Lord and lift your hands. I see the sadness in your heart. I, I can relate to the loss. You've lost your husband. I've lost my husband. But yet it's the love for your God that I see shining in you more than anything else. And that's what I want in my life as well. I think those two choices that are made by Naomi's daughter-in-law represent the choices that people have to make in this world today. Do, do we need times of grieving in our life? Absolutely. There should be a period where you are allowed to mourn the loss of a loved one, whatever the case may be. I can clearly remember the days after my dad passed away back in 2014. There was a time where I didn't have my time of grieving that I should have. I was watching after my mom. I was making sure she was all right. I was taking care of everything in her house. I was so busy and occupied with those things that I neglected my own time of grieving. She lost her husband, yes, but I lost my dad. I lost my fishing partner, my hunting partner, my buddy, my best friend, the best man at my wedding. And I neglected to take my own time of grieving so I could move on past that. Sometimes we get hung up in that grieving a little bit too long. We, we forget that we're still here on this earth for a purpose. And I think that was one of the things that Naomi was faced with. She said, not only do I have a responsibility of going on and serving the Lord with my life, but I now have two daughter-in-laws that are in my life as well. We've created a relationship with each other. I've got to have my time of grieving, but I've also got to take responsibility in pursuing the Lord and being a witness to these two that God has left me with as well. That's my responsibility now here on this earth. But during that time of grieving, during that time after the loss of my dad, there were some very important decisions that I had to make. I had to do it with a clear conscience. I had to do it with a sound mind. And there are sometimes when we make decisions and we let emotions get in the way. And I think Naomi's relationship with the Lord is what held her together mentally through this time in order to make these decisions. Hey, we can't stay here. We've got to go back to our hometown. We don't have any husbands left. I don't have any sons left. Your husbands have died. My husband has died. We need to go back to my hometown where we can find a group of people that will help support us through this time. So she got her grieving over with. She made the right decisions. 
She got back on the right track. But then she had Ruth right there beside her, her best friend, her ride or die. We're going through this together. We're going back to Jerusalem. We're going back to my hometown. We'll get things squared away together. We'll work on it together. And that was a decision that she had to make. Just a, a brief introduction to uh, the book of Ruth. There's a lot more to be discovered about the history of the book. I think in this opening scene, as we set up, uh, looking at the long-term uh, implications of what just happened uh, in the opening scene, we'll continue more along the way. Uh, as Boaz entered the scene, uh, we get out of the bad news and into the good news. I think these basic choices, these choices made during these difficult times kind of set the pace for what happens with the rest of the book. But all in all, pay close attention as you're reading ahead, as you're getting ready for next week, as you're looking at the book of Ruth, as you're watching, uh, going through the chronological Bible. Pay attention to those genealogies. Pay attention to how God is so carefully orchestrating things that take place that relate to each and every story. They're, they're all intertwined. They're all interconnected. And when you read through the book of Matthew, that opening genealogy, boy, you tend to, oh, I don't need to read this. This isn't really, it is important. <laughs> that family tree, man, it branches off into many different directions. And there's a lot of things that God had to do to secure the lineage of not only David, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And that has said that I mentioned earlier, God's commitment to his covenant is the main reason that he orchestrated all of those events and, and made that genealogy function the way that he did. And I think God taking two Gentile women from a godless nation, Rahab and Ruth, and using them in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ is crystal clear evidence that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God can take you, he can save you, and he can use you to do great things for his kingdom. But it all starts with making godly choices, even during the difficult times. It's not a matter of when bad things happen. <laughs> it's not a matter of if bad things happen. They're going to happen. It's a matter of making godly choices during those times. And the time to prepare for those is right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We just thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you've taught us. We thank you for this incredible story, Lord God. And we just pray that you would continue to teach us how you want to work in our lives. So many different things that we can learn from these stories, Lord God. Each one of them hits personally. Each one of them are experiences that a lot of us have already been through in our lives. Maybe we didn't handle them correctly. Maybe we didn't make the right choices. But in the future, Lord God, as we go through those difficult times, as we go through those struggles, I pray that you'll send us a, a Naomi or a Ruth, someone that we can influence, someone that can influence us as well. Someone that'll be by our side no matter what. Someone that'll be upfront and honest with us, even when the truth hurts, Lord God. Because sometimes that's what we need to hear more than anything else.
I thank you for this church and all you're doing, Lord God. We uh, look forward to a time of revival, Lord, as we're going through your word together, as we are reading the Bible in a year, Lord God. We look forward to 2023 and all that you have in store for us. And right now, Lord God, in the month of January, as we begin making decisions and begin making choices about future events, we pray that you'll guide our thoughts, you'll guide our hearts, and you'll prepare us for what lies ahead. Lord, we we look for a great harvest of souls. We know that there are people out in our community that need the gospel. We know that there are people out in our community that need to hear that Jesus saves. And Lord, we need to... We need to be influencing people these days. More than ever, Lord God, we need Christian influence in our culture, in our schools, in the stores, and wherever we go. So I pray for this congregation, Lord God. I pray that you would empower them. I pray that your Holy Spirit would shine through them, that your living water would flow out of their hearts and into the people around them, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just breathe life into what you want to do in this community right here and right now. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this study of Ruth and what we're going to learn from it. And we just pray that you'll prepare us for what lies ahead. And all God's people said, amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.